Welcome to Pod Oxford, the podcast series about Oxford admissions. I'm Mike Nicholson, the Director of Undergraduate Admissions at the University, and with me today to discuss international applications and the interviews is Richard Earle, a mathematician who will be travelling to India to interview applicants. Hello. And Helen Charlesworth, who manages the Applicant Inquiries team at the University, who will be accompanying him on the trip. Hello. Richard, if I can turn to you first. Um, a question I think many people ask, why do we interview students? Well, one of the main reasons is we get uh, many good applicants. I mean, in my own subject as a mathematician, there'll be four uh, applicants per place. Most of these people will look fairly similar on paper. They'll all have done very well, got very good grades, uh, have good references and strong support from their school. And we're interested in the interview in finding ways to differentiate between them. Um, these are academic interviews, and we'll go into the further detail about this later, but we're, we're there trying to see in between these very good applicants. Uh, one thing to stress is that the interview is one criterion. We also have tests and various other things, and of course, what is on the paper, the references from the schools and so on, but it's our way of differentiating between these very good applicants. The people who are coming for the interview will probably need to bring some things with them, I'm guessing. That's right, yes. There are a few things that you need to bring along to your interview. Firstly, we'd really like you to bring along transcripts, and that's any certificates or records or things you have from your school, um, anything which relates to official examinations that you've taken, you know, things that are nationally recognised. So not things like school performance certificates and good conduct and... <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Nothing, nothing really from a school level. I don't want to see those. But it's really just exam um, certificates and official things, as I say, nationally recognised things, like for American students, for example, SAT scores and that sort of thing for whatever is, is relevant for, for the country that you're from. Now also, if you can please bring along any certificates that you have that prove your English language proficiency. Of course, that's if English is not your first language and you're not taught in English at school. If you've taken the IELTS exam or the TOEFL or anything else like that, if you could bring that as well. And finally, we'd also like you to bring along a small photograph of yourself. And that's just so that can be attached to your notes and that the interviewers can make sure they can remember exactly who they've seen when they're thinking about candidates afterwards. So that photograph will be something we will keep. Everything else we're just checking. That's right, yeah. We'll just take copies of the certificates and give them back, but we will need to keep the photo. And I know a question that often applicants ask. Do they have to dress up for the interview? <laughs> Is there a particular costume that we want them to wear? <laughs> no, um, absolutely not. It's really up to candidates to wear whatever they feel comfortable in. Um, some people do feel more comfortable for interviews if they dress smartly, and that's fine, but there's certainly no need to dress up. Um, people aren't going to be assessed on what they're wearing, so really the most important thing is just to, to dress in a way that makes you feel comfortable. And the interviewers will probably just be dressed in that way as well. They won't be dressed particularly smartly. It'll just be just ordinary things that you would normally wear. So that's interviewers fine. won't be wearing academic gowns? Absolutely not, no. Richard, um, I think a lot of people have probably never had an academic interview before. Could you just talk a little bit through the process, if we use your subject as an example? Okay, we, uh, by way of example in maths then, um, in one of these interviews you'd be given some problems to look at to start with. So these might be six or seven problems um, and you'll be given a chance, half an hour usually, to work through these problems, do your best with them, probably advise just to concentrate on two or three of them, and then, and this will all take place in a nice quiet room, you'll be provided with pen and paper, 
and then subsequently you'll be there with the interviewer discussing these problems so they will be reasonable problems in the sense of you won't need any special knowledge to tackle these but they'll at the same time be harder than what you're used to so the sort of knowledge you will need to tackle them we'd expect of you but you'll have to perhaps adapt it and use it in slightly unusual ways Um, during the interview these problems will be gone over but usually the interviewer will have some uh, unseen problems that he or she is going to introduce into the interview. Um, We're not expecting the students to kind of maybe even fully answer the question are we? Not necessarily I mean the the material you would need the knowledge you would need to actually tackle these problems um, is is a reasonable expectation is the sort of thing we'd be expecting uh, of our students but there may well be quite unusual questions in some ways. You may get halfway through the question. Uh, an interviewer would be very happy then to see that just with a little bit of a hint, uh, you can move on, you can take the hint, and you can finish the problem by yourself. That's the sort of system we're looking for. We're trying to see how a student would work in our tutorial system, which is small group teaching and often quite intense discussion about a problem, but the student, with the help of the tutor, moving on and getting further than they were able to before. And part of the, the process of this is actually for the student to show their working and, and show their reasoning. It's, it's not, here is a problem, here is the answer. We're, we're interested in the process that they're going through, the thinking. Yes, e- even if perhaps it's a wrong idea that they brought, but it's quite imaginative in, in what they're doing, it can take the discussion forward. We're very interested to see what creativity a student can show in tackling a problem and how they can adapt what they've seen before to to new things. Mm. But it's rarely a uh, smooth run and students will get things a little wrong. They'll have to think quite hard mm. and take the time over these problems. And Helen, your background's in, in politics, philosophy, economics. Um, a very, very different style of subject. But what about as far as interviews go? Mm. I mean, how, how would the university typically deal with a, a PPE applicant? Sure. Well, for the, I think, all the arts subjects and social sciences, it's actually very similar in the, in the process to what Richard's explained for maths, that people, when they arrive for their interview at one of these international centres, they will be given a passage to read, and again, they sit in a quiet room, and they have half an hour or so to, to read through it, and it might be, so, for example, for PPE, for philosophy, politics, economics, it could be a passage from a philosophical text, or it might be... Um, An article, say, from The Economist. That's or, right, yeah, 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 something like that. Something which we would not expect people to have read before, absolutely not. It would be just something which touches on politics or economics or philosophy. So again, for other subjects, like, like history, say, it could be an account of some episode in history, or for English literature, it might be, uh, again, a page from a, from a, from a book. We wouldn't expect people to have seen them before, but when they get into their interview, they will be asked, you know, what did you think of the passage? What did it make you think of? What did you think the author meant by this? Or what do you think might have happened afterwards? How would you interpret this aspect of it? So, so anything really like that. And again, exactly as Richard said, the tutors won't be expecting the candidate to know the answer. I mean, often there isn't. Um, a correct answer as such in arts subjects like that, like there might be for, for sciences, but the tutors are really just looking at how the candidate thinks, mm. you know, how they express themselves, you know, are they able to demonstrate that they've understood really mm. what they've read. And I think it is important, Richard, 
to emphasise to people this is an academic interview. It's not a please tell me about your hobbies, please tell me about your interests, unless they are things that directly relate to the subject, is that right? It will be almost entirely academic. It's not unusual, um, perhaps for the first few minutes, to discuss points um, that have taken that the interview has taken interest in the application of the of the student. Perhaps some summer school there may have been to, or something like this. But in the main, it's going to be centred around math type questions, science types questions, or mm. sort the sort of process that Helen's just described. Okay, I guess some people will want to know. Is there any preparation they can make for this academic interview? Well, already, uh, I mean, listening to this now, student uh, applicants would be aware of the format. I mean, this is the most important thing. It's not being surprised at what's going to go on. Um, unsurprisingly, these interviews are a little nervous for, for applicants. So perhaps a mock interview might be useful mm -hmm. if that's easy to arrange with a, with a tutor. But again, focusing on the fact that this will be academic, there's not a lot of point just having a nice quiet chat. They, these, these interviews will be academic. Beyond that, obviously a good idea to be aware of the, the, the material that might be in things like tests and so on. Similarly, in an interview, that's the type of material that might be called upon. So spending a little time revising perhaps things you haven't seen for a while, this can be good preparation. You wouldn't want to be caught out knowing something quite routine. Yes, and I guess Helen, for arts, humanities and social science subjects, reading around the subject that you're applying for, being aware of current issues, if you're going for a course that involves current affairs, it's that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, that sort of thing. That's what we usually recommend, that people read journals or articles that relate to their subject, like the Law Review for Law, or the, the, as you mentioned, The Economist for Economics, keeping up to date with the newspapers, knowing what's happening really around the world. But again, there's not much time for that now, of course, because the interviews are ne nearly upon us. So if people have been doing that, that's great. But if not, there's no point cramming. There's no point trying to do everything now. I would just say the most important thing is that they feel comfortable, feel relaxed coming into the interview. I think having a bit of a practice interview with someone else yes. is a good idea. And, and also I would recommend that people make sure that they've read all the information that's available about their subject on our website. So to make sure that they really know what they're they're coming for and what sort of things they're expected um, to know and what they would ex be expected to study at Oxford. Um, particularly I can recommend the selection criteria and that there that's available on the website just so people remind themselves really of what the tutors are looking for. And uh, I think probably the, the key thing is, is being absolutely clear about your reason for wanting to do this particular subject mm. discipline. Absolutely, because some people sometimes worry that the tutors are going to mark them down if they answer a question wrong or think that they've been caught out in some way. But it's absolutely not like that. Tutors want people to do their best. They want them to perform well, and they're not trying to trip them up. Um, no trick they, questions. <laughs> no, they, might, they will ask questions that candidates won't know the answer to, but that's, that's to be expected. They're very, very difficult, and candidates should just do the best that they can. And... Um, and you just feel that they've done the, done the best they were able to on the day. Right. And expect help along the way because there will be plenty of hints to deal with mm. these questions. Yes. Richard, I think people will probably come out of an interview and for many of them this might be the first time they've ever had such a, an academic discussion about their subject. May feel almost as they are walking out the door that they've failed. The interview isn't a pass-fail experience, is it? Uh, it isn't really a pass-fail experience uh, at all, and also 
it is the case that it's very hard for an applicant to know really how they've done. Mm. Um, this will be the first time, as you've said, they've had such hard questions, perhaps thought quite so hard about their subject. With luck, they may have enjoyed the experience somewhat, but still found it uh, slightly nerve-wracking. Um, the best thing is, as Helena said, just to give of your best during, uh, during the interview, and don't worry too much if there are slips. Even if it has gone badly, uh, and the interviewer thinks so, it may well be the case that on the basis of all the other criteria, uh, for example, things like test scores in my own subjects and increasing number of subjects, on the basis of references and so on, that actually an offer still is made. It is only one criteria. And for students who are being interviewed early in October, because we are conducting interviews, of course, all over the world, um, if they still have to take aptitude tests, admissions tests, then they should make sure they're appropriately registered. They shouldn't just wait for the interview to then decide whether they want to go forward with the test. No, no, it's all very much part of a package. And, and the best, even if you think it's gone badly, which you may well not have, the best thing is to put it to the back of your mind and give the test your best shot. Okay. And I think for probably finally, um, Helen, people will want to know when they're going to find mm. out. Yes. Um, is there a deadline by which they should have well, heard? People will need to be patient, I'm afraid, because there is a few weeks to wait. Because we run all the interviews for European students in Oxford in December. So what happens is all the notes and all the information from the interviews overseas are taken back and considered by the colleges in Oxford along with the other candidates in December. And those colleges then make their decisions by usually by the beginning of January. So I'm afraid that candidates will have to wait possibly until the middle of January before they find out whether or not they've been successful. Okay. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more about the university, then we have other podcasts available for download and you can sign up to the RSS feed at our website at www.admissions.ox.ac.uk slash podcasts. Alternatively, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. Simply search for Oxford University or Pod Oxford and follow the instructions. And finally, if there are any specific issues you'd like us to address, you can email us at podoxford at admin.ox.ac.uk.